Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 28 of the Bible in 90 Days. We're in 2 Kings 16 through 25. Our highlights today begin in chapter 16 with the story of Ahaz, king of Judah. He reigns 16 years and does not do what is right, even sacrificing his son in the fire. The Bible says he offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. Rezin, king of Aram, and Pekah, king of Israel, attacked Jerusalem, though he repelled it. Following this attack, Ahaz appeals to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, for protection, pledging his loyalty and sending a large gift to the Assyrian king. After the Assyrians act capturing Damascus, Ahaz heads to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser and, seeing his pagan altar, orders a copy be made which Ahaz instructs the priest to use in place of the temple altar. Additionally, Ahaz vandalizes other parts of Solomon's temple, inspired by Tiglath-Pileser. Upon his death at the age of 36, his son Hezekiah succeeds him. Chapter 17, a chapter you should read, finds us back in the history of Israel recounting the tragic story of the final days of the kingdom, beginning with Hoshea, her last king. Hoshea reigned nine years. Hoshea had paid tribute to the Assyrians for years, but when Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came to attack, he discovered that Hoshea had stopped payments and sent an envoy to So, king of Egypt. And so... I'm quoting now, in the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and deported the Israelites to Assyria. He settled them in Hala, in Gozan on the Harbor River, excuse me, the Habor River, and in the towns of the Medes. The following verses explain the cause of Israel's fall. And I quote, all this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God. They worshiped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. And I continue quoting, the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvaim, and settled them in the towns of Samaria to replace the Israelites. However, these resettlers ran into trouble, the Lord, and I quote, sent lions among them and they killed some of the people. So the Assyrian king ordered one of the Israelite priests to go back and teach the ways of God in Samaria. Unfortunately, the various people groups continued their native religious customs in addition to worshiping the Hebrew God. Chapter 18, another chapter you'll find fascinating to read finds us back in the kingdom of Judah under Hezekiah's reign. This king reigns for 29 years, doing what is right, and, and I quote, there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He removed the pagan worship places along with destroying their sacred items. Incidentally, he also, and I quote, broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah successfully rebelled against the Assyrians and was successful in other military pursuits. However, a few years later, the Assyrians returned and Hezekiah found himself paying tribute to them under Sennacherib. 
Sometime later, Sennacherib sends a large army against Jerusalem, his field commander boasting to Hezekiah, and I quote, On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have the counsel and the might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Then he challenges Hezekiah to a fight, boasting of a serious military prowess, and all of this taunting is done in the Hebrew tongue, so everyone in the city can understand. So the Israelite leaders ask him to speak in Aramaic. But the field commander keeps it up, speaking directly to the city inhabitants. And I quote, Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says, The Lord will deliver us. However, the people remain silent at Hezekiah's direction. Chapter 19, another chapter worth reading, begins with these words, and I quote, when, Hezek when King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. Hezekiah immediately sends for Isaiah the prophet, sending requests that he pray for the remnant that still survives. Isaiah's reply is full of hope. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. Shortly after, Sennacherib is forced to withdraw, but sends a threatening letter to Jerusalem as he does so. And here it is, at least part of it. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Hezekiah takes the letter to the temple. When he spreads it out before the Lord and then prays, here it is, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib. Excuse, excuse me, listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. And then he finishes the prayer. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord our God. Then Isaiah the prophet sends a message to Hezekiah, a reply from God to his prayer. The message from God, after acknowledging Sennacherib's success, with other nations, continues. But I know where you, that is Sennacherib, are, and when you come and go and how you rage against me. Because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way you came. The message continues with God promising Israel deliverance. And then some more. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. Sennacherib, and I quote, returned to Nineveh and stayed there. Sometime later, being assassinated by his sons, Adramelech and Sherezer. Chapter 20 tells the story of Hezekiah becoming deathly ill with a boil. And the prophet Isaiah telling him solemnly, Put your house in order, because you are going to die. Hezekiah, at these words, weeps inconsolably, pleading with God and 
before Isaiah even makes it out of the palace, God sends him back to Hezekiah with a new message. And I quote, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. A poultice of figs is applied to the boil, and he recovers. Hezekiah requests a confirmation of God's promise of recovery, that the sun's shadow go back ten steps, and it does. The Babylonians hear of his illness and recovery, sending letters and a gift. Hezekiah takes the envoys on a tour of his lavish palace. However, after they've left, Isaiah confronts him rebuking him for showing off his wealth and informing him that sometime after his reign, and now I quote, everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. At the end of his 29-year reign, Manasseh, his son, succeeds him. Chapter 21 tells us that Manasseh takes the throne at just 12 years of age and reigns for 55 evil years. And I quote, following the detestable practices of the nations and the Lord, excuse me, the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. This included offering his own son in the fire, practicing divination, seeking omens, consulting mediums and spiritists, arousing God's anger. Speaking of the debauchery of his reign, the text summarizes, and I quote, Manasseh led them, that is the people, astray so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. As a result, Jerusalem, God said, would be wiped out, and I quote, like one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. Moreover, another quote, Manasseh also shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end. Upon his death, Ammon, his son succeeds him, reigning for just two years and doing just as his father had done. He's then assassinated, and his son, Josiah, takes the throne, being only eight years old. Chapter 22, a chapter, again, worth reading. Josiah reigns for 31 years in Jerusalem and is a stark contrast to his father and grandfather. And I quote, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In his 18th year, he has the temple repaired. While doing the work, the book of the law is found and delivered to Josiah. Upon hearing its words, the king tore his clothes, recognizing the grave situation the people are in because of their ancestors' actions. Hold a prophet is sent to him with a message. Yes, disaster will come upon Judah because of all the evil they have done, forsaking God and his good way. However, because of Josiah's deep, sincere sorrow for his people's evil, he is promised to die in peace, and his eyes would not see all the disaster that was to come. Chapter 23 records Josiah's courageous work of reform, beginning with reading the book of the covenant to the people and then renewing, and I quote, the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow his instructions carefully. What follows is an aggressive campaign to rid the nation of everything connected to pagan worship from altars to statues dedicated to pagan gods to sacred stones to city gates to high places to pagan priests 
to spiritists. This work even extended into the former territory of the kingdom of Israel. They even destroyed at least one of the golden calves that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had commissioned so long ago, and which had basically brought about the ruin of Judah's sister kingdom, Israel. In the process, the bones of the prophet who'd prophesied so many years before to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, about Josiah's birth and actions were found and kindly preserved. As part of his great reform, the people celebrated the Passover like it had never been celebrated before. Now I quote, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength. By the way, I think Josiah is one of my favorite among the kings of either Israel or Judah. Certainly love David, certainly admire things about Solomon, but, but Josiah is such a courageous reformer. It's a pretty incredible story. Unfortunately, Josiah's great reforms could not preserve the nation from disaster. Manasseh had taken them too far. Josiah's life ends in death in a battle with Pharaoh Necho. The chapter includes briefly two additional kings of Judah, Jehoahaz, who reigns for three months doing evil. He's taken captive by Pharaoh Necho, who puts Eliakim, son of Josiah, on the throne, renaming him Jehoiakim. Heavy taxes also imposed on the kingdom. Jehoiakim reigns for 11 years, and he also does evil. Chapter 24 records that Nebuchadnezzar invades the land and makes Jehoiakim his vassal. However, Jehoiakim rebels and the country continues to suffer trouble because of all the evil Manasseh has done or had done, especially the shedding of innocent blood. And the text, by the way, mentions that specifically, that the immense shedding of innocent blood is a major reason why judgment is coming on, is, uh, on Judah. Jehoiachin follows his king, reigning just three months and doing evil. He then, excuse me, he, the royal household and attendants, along with thousands of the most valuable residents of Jerusalem, are taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, who also takes all the royal treasures from the temple and palace. Mataniah, Jehoiachin's uncle, is made king and renamed Zedekiah. He also does evil, finally rebelling against the king of Babylon. In chapter 25, Nebuchadnezzar returns to Jerusalem and lays siege to the city, inducing a devastating famine. The army eventually escapes the city, only to be captured, including Zedekiah, who is sentenced and bound. The Babylonians ransack the city of Jerusalem, including the temple. All the important buildings are burned down as well, also including the temple. In the end, only the poorest people are left to tend to the vineyards and fields. And then these tragic words. And I quote, So Judah went into captivity away from her land. Before leaving, Nebuchadnezzar appoints Gadaliah to be governor, but he's assassinated months later and everyone flees to Egypt. The final note in the chapter is that Jehoiachin, king of Judah, is released from prison in Babylon and treated kindly. So ends the books of the kings as well as today's highlights.